Welcome to Transition Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. Today's episode has both gaming and pop culture in it and we'll be starting by talking about Assassin's Creed Origins Wolfenstein 2, the compatibility of original Xbox games and EA's moves with certain studios which have been shut down, sales of games such as GT Sport Destiny 2 and NBA 2K18 apart from Nintendo's impending announcement of Animal Crossing for mobile. This will be followed by the pop culture segment of this podcast where we will be speaking about a show called Stranger Things that you may have heard of. So the first segment is obviously about gaming and we have regulars that's game editor Rishi Alwani. Good morning people. or night or whenever you're listening to this yeah, because thanks for that. like showing me daggers and stuff yeah and we have friend of the podcast mikhail madnani need coffee yeah. you just had and i'm your host pranay parab so first of all let's start by breaking certain embargoes you want to talk about wolfenstein 2 uh actually before we get to wolfenstein 2 <laughs> let's talk about uh another big game that's out on the same day so for for those of you who are avid gamers uh you probably are aware that october 27 is the day your wallet probably dies reason being assassin's creed origin wolfenstein 2 the new colossus and super mario odyssey are all out around the same time now unless you're somebody called pranay you'll probably end up picking at least two out of the three games and, and if you if you're someone like me you probably have two more games that day so yeah which are Yomawari Midnight Shadows which is this isometric horror game is releasing on PS4 Steam and Vita and uh, Knights of Azure 2 which you should not google at work. Yeah so I kind of regret asking you all of this right now. Anyway, so uh we managed to play Assassin's Creed Origins and uh well the background of this is quite simple. Um after the uh not so cool reception to Assassin's Creed Unity Ubisoft announced and the so-so response to Assassin's Creed Syndicate Ubisoft announced that the series was going to be in hiatus for a year um it just so happens that uh, all their details leaked prior uh, to that official announcement where when a developer went on 4chan and basically said that they're ripping off the same template we've seen on the Witch- on the Witcher 3 and um well we've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Origins and uh, let's just say the leaks weren't too far removed from the truth but there are some very interesting additions here for one uh, the technical performance is astoundingly solid uh, i've been playing it on a ps4 pro uh, there's no there's no visible uh, issues that you, we've come to expect with certain ubisoft titles in, in the past it's a very polished game uh, there is a sense of fluidity that uh, i felt was lacking in prior titles particularly on the ps4 and it's uh, just super responsive the gameplay has been tweaked a bit though so i mean not not a bit let's just say it's heavily revamped uh, you can't one you can't one hit kill enemies anymore so if you're the sort who, who used to play assassin's creed for the story and just thought combat just press a button or two for cool stuff to happen that's not the case uh, now combat is hitbox based what this means is that enemies have individual hit points have have individual areas you have to hit and that there will be an effect to that it's kind of uh, It, it it results in a style of and flow of combat that's a lot more uh, workman like you you end up using the r1 button for attacks or the r2 button which is very different from how earlier games where we just had to use a square or the or a circle or x uh and that's really nice in in a sense that you're going there's a it just feels a lot more immediate it feels a lot more workman like so uh, would you say there's been some influence from uh, for honor because what you're describing kind of reminds me of when like at, when i first played for honor at a preview which we all did 
you don't really feel like an assassin you don't really feel overpowered and i think that's the approach the developers are going with this time around simply because uh it's an origins game at the end of the day right it's before people became cool assassins so i think it's a warranted approach uh and for most part it works uh, i like the combat here it's a lot of fun uh, i actually relish getting into uh, getting into fights uh stealth is still a valid uh, valid option and in fact if you ask me that's the part of the game that seems to have the least amount of changes i mean you're going to essentially go into the skulk in the shadows skulk in tall grass uh call uh distract enemies and you know uh snap their necks uh but there's one minor but in my opinion uh game changing addition to how stealth works where if you get discovered uh you have a brief second to counter uh to, to react and basically counter your enemy and render him unconscious it it's uh, quite similar it's not exactly as uh responsive or uh, easy to use as how it is in metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain where if you're discovered you 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 meet a, a massive indicator shows you where and you can just turn there and shoot the guy but it works well enough and and it goes in this really cool slow mo for a second while you you know do what you need to do to make sure the guy keeps quiet So stealth received a very nice uh upgrade in my opinion. It's a minor one but it it works. Uh ranged combat is also there and uh if you if for the for old timers you've noticed you probably noticed that uh previous assassins creed games never did uh uh distinguish too much between ranged and and close attacks. Every attack had was had almost the same impact and feel. But now uh your arrows are actually super useful. No you're not just going to use it to craft items. You're also going to you long range attacks are a valid strategy. And um I think that also works well. I it's uh it's too early to tell how uh long how all these new combat mechanics uh work well work with each other in the sense that is there anything that's more overpowered than the other? And I'm sure it will be depending on your playstyle. Um but uh quite right now it's quite favorable but and the witcher 3 comparisons aren't just related to the the open world it's also the fact that you have your own mount you can call at any given time and uh th- there seems to be a larger emphasis on story which is always a welcome thing in my opinion uh and uh, without delving into spoiler territory uh the only i mean it just starts off slightly more abruptly then i've come to expect from an assassin's creed game usually most of them have a nice the most of the entire introduction used to be the prologue section where you spend at least half an hour 45 minutes doing stuff before you can see the lovely splash screen saying it's an assassin's creed game here it's a lot more immediate here it's a lot more in your face and i think that works considering the how different the gameplay is this time around uh but yeah um all for all said and done it seems to be a very very interesting divergent approach from Ubisoft and i have a feeling because they're taking the series in this direction i don't think we're going to see uh too many assassins creed games with such regularity that they've had in the past i think that yearly schedule is good and dead at this stage yeah so maybe they'll release a game this year and a movie next year and another game the year after that and don't forget the anime series in between yeah. which is apparently coming to netflix <laughs> so yeah that's it Yeah. No like I I still haven't started playing it but I've heard a bit of the soundtrack which they uploaded which is really really good. Uh I I didn't play Syndicate either but then again the soundtrack was really good. Unfortunately I ended up selling my copy of Black Flag before I played it so excited Heresy. to get this. Heresy. That's yeah. the best Assassin's Creed game of all time. I've heard that multiple and, times. And it, so, it, it yeah. reason you know why? It's because you play a troll. 
Okay. You say for most of the game, you play a troll for like seventy-five percent of the game. You play a troll who then realizes mild spoilers here that hey, you know, there's an epic fight between good and evil, and I must choose a side. But so, but yeah. going back to what you said about it being super polished, like I'd see that because we saw what happened with uh, Watch Dogs One, where uh, while it did sell really well and it was super hyped and all that, it not many people liked it in the end. It was pretty much average and forgettable for most. They fixed almost every issue with Watch Dogs Two. It's super polished. I didn't encounter any bugs day one when I played it and all, and it's really fun. But it suffered because of the impact of the first game. We saw that with Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Unity's impact was felt like it sold. I think, uh, it did open to half of what Unity did or something yep. similar to that. Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be interesting seeing what happens now because it's been two years since Syndicate, and uh, I think a lot is riding on this for UB. Yeah, I mean, it's not just UB; it's also the industry as a whole. Because you look at the situation here, where uh, I mean, if you look at the state of gaming, this year has been a glorified mixed bag. We've seen the resurgence of Nintendo with the Switch. We've seen Sony hold its own. We've seen Microsoft trying to make a comeback with the One X. In terms of games itself, we've seen a lot of great single-player games come out in a year when you've had the likes of. Uh, Phil Spencer, you've had the likes of Daniel Ahmed, you had the likes of uh, Electronic Arts in itself calling out single-player games as dead, and uh, here you have a single-player game with relatively—I mean, there are microtransactions, uh, but they're, they're again like within game currency, as far as we can tell. Uh, you you have a game which uh, I mean seems to try to get the best of both and seems to be you know trying to do it in a fashion to appease everyone. Plus, at the same time, uh, for Ubisoft, yes, I'll agree, it's a big game simply because you know of that uh, ever looming fear of a bu- possible buyout by, by Vivendi, which you know they're trying to avoid, and that's something that's been well documented to the point where Yves uh, Guillermo uh, actually called it out at, at E3 this year, saying that you know we're an independent company, we're for the creators, and our independent spirit will never be broken, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think a lot's riding of it, and I don't think it's just UB. It's it's the industry as a whole because if a series like Assassin's Creed can reinvent itself to such a radical degree and hopefully prove to be successful, who's to say we can't see a Call of Duty game that's a third-person RPG? A man can dream. Where's my World War Two RPG? So mm. yeah, that. Okay then. Uh, impossible dreams aside, you guys want to talk about other games you've been playing? Yeah, so Wolfenstein 2, Wolfen- the new Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Wolfenstein 2. Uh, okay, full disclosure, uh, we have not received a copy from Bethesda. If you're the sort who's been following Gadgets 360's Instagram, you would have noticed that we posted an unboxing. We've had the game since Saturday. Uh, all hail. Well, today is 24th October. Yeah, so we've had yeah. the game uh, on the weekend prior to 24th of October. The game is super fun. We've been playing it on the PS4. Uh, and yeah, it's a grey market copy. Uh, so yeah, that. Uh, anyway, so point is to the game itself. I think uh, it would be best if Ma- Mike uh, leads up this segment. Okay. So a little history behind Wolfenstein. It's uh, had like a quote-unquote soft reboot with the new order, which was done with machine games. And uh, it's a game which kind of didn't sell as well as it should have, in my opinion. Uh, focused, great level design, single player FPS, which uh, plays really well, looks pretty great at the time. And uh, yeah, it didn't have any shoehorn multiplayer, didn't have any bullshit DLC, uh, just like focused. And uh, it was really good, except for like uh, two chapters in the middle that had some nonsense stealth sections. Uh, That got followed up by Wolfenstein The Old Blood, which... 
Uh, a lot of people call another reboot of Return to Castle Wolfenstein because that's what it kind of felt like when they played it. But now we have uh, the new Colossus, which is releasing on uh, the 27th, same day as Assassin's Creed Origins. And uh, yeah, this is the first game which drops like past gens. It's not on PS3 or 360, it's just PS4, Xbox, PC, and it's coming to Switch later. Uh, Wait, wasn't Old Blood also on PS4, Xbox One, PC only? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it I was. Guess it so. was. It was. Uh, yeah. So this is the first main game from this new trilogy, as mm. the developers have claimed it is part of, and uh, it's on Index Six, which is what Doom was built on, and uh, it's immediately visible when you boot up the game. It looks really good. It it plays fantastic. I'm also playing it on PS4 or not Pro, standard PS4, and uh, yeah, really good. The opening's very strong. <laughs> it actually has wheelchair combat, as you probably have seen if you're uh, if you've been following the game where you have a gun and you're on a wheelchair exploring this level trying to find your way out until shit hits the fan and uh, yeah basically really good just put in two hours so far uh, had one tough area with some interesting enemies shooting lasers but uh, yeah otherwise pretty impressed so far I'm not really sure about the music yet uh, it features Mick Gordon and uh, I believe the composer of Inside and Limbo working together on this and it, it definitely is more atmospheric, making it quote-unquote feel immersive in some of the areas, but uh, I kind of expected something more like The New Order, which was just straight, like, not Doom, but really heavy music throughout, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a lot further in, uh, and uh, while I do agree that the music, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag, but that aside, everything else seems to be in place. The dual wielding gunplay is impeccable as ever. Ever, it's nice to always, you know, take a, a shotgun and take a machine gun and one in each hand and, re- and wreak havoc. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's some interesting uh, my, uh, gameplay elements as well. Like uh, you, you, you basically get your hands on a on a suit of armor that lets you pummel floors, which is really uh, and allows you to open new areas. So, so that I think is a nice dynamic. It adds a sense of uh, verticality to the levels. Uh, but that aside, uh, yeah, gameplay is pretty good. Uh, it looks really nice. Surprisingly, no uh, PS4 settings in the menu that let you choose frame rate or image quality, nothing of that sort. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, narrative, it's an interesting way forward. I mean, if I mean, the new order was lauded because it humanized uh, the player character BJ Blazkowicz. Yeah, so uh, without spoiling much, there's a lot of... I mean, you can see that uh, the, that machine games... Uh, have actually taken a lot of influence from other shooters. There's a level which is basically a dead ringer for something out of the Metro franchise of post-apocalyptic shooters. There's uh, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, and the sense of desperation and the tone of the game reminds me a lot of Killzone and uh, the Resistance franchise. And it really works. Uh, It comes together in a fashion that I think works really well. Uh, All in all, it's, it's just a very cool game. I mean, on one side of it, there is obviously the 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 mindless gunplay which people have come to expect and at the same time there's actually a very cool layered story there's a very cool world to immerse yourself in if you so choose um i haven't found any easter eggs akin to the first game where if you in the first game when you went to sleep you ended up you could end up playing uh uh, uh levels from the original wolfenstein well that's not the case there yet. is something here with some retro mode because i saw this in the trophy list Okay. It's a non-hidden trophy. Okay. So there will be something. We'll probably get into it later, I guess, yep. when we yep. play more. But uh, yeah, very impressed with it so far. And uh, 
as of this recording there's not been any patch so yeah. if if that's the case on release then it's a good sign because both previous wolfenstein releases have had like between 7 and 10 or more and in fact if you put wolfenstein the new order day one copy in your ps4 i think it's 20 gb now no it's not it's a uh, i think it's okay sorry five. doom is 21 gb yeah doom yeah. is 21 but with wolfenstein and that was a funny thing when wolfenstein new order came out back in 2014 everyone was up in arms for a 5 gig day one patch now we're happy if it's 5 gb because other patches tend to be much larger it's it's inexcusable but how times change yeah. yeah yeah so but uh that aside the game is really cool uh the story is really i mean one of the strongest points i think this time around are uh, there there are one or two scenes in the first hour or so that justify the game's 18 plus rating and honestly uh it's it, it, i'm just surprised that they went ahead and did what they did i don't want to spoil it for everyone or say more than that but uh let's just say this is not a game you want to be playing in front of uh in front of your kids is not a game you want to be playing in front of younger uh, of your younger siblings this is not a game you might want to be even playing in front of older people who may be offended by graphic violence because oh my god it is graphic this is like uh, in a lot of trailers and in a lot of footage they've always ended with a particular scene uh where it just cuts out to the logo or uh, it's yeah. one of the scene where bj like they shown this in trailers where he gets uh, captured and taken sort of hostage or he gets just basically gets captured along with his crew who was working with him at that time and uh, it involves an axe and that's been shown by Bethesda multiple times yeah. and they always cut off so it's basically what happens after that yeah so and yeah so anyway point is so far it's pretty good uh, there are there's some interesting choices in characters uh, some characters really stand out uh, you have the likes of Grace Walker who's an american uh, who's an american resistance leader you, you who's one of the standout characters you have her, you have her uh, you, you have her partner super spesh who's essentially an ex lawyer turned conspiracy theorist not who's also another standout character uh, the rest of the, old, the rest of the crew from the old game is also there anya's back uh, uh, max is back so it, it's it's pretty much uh, an interesting way forward uh, for those of you who, uh, who are interested to know what the plot actually entails um, well it takes place directly after the events of new order so yeah there's a like literally a flashback yeah. situation and you even have to make one of the choices which you did in the new order yeah. which unlocks a deja vu trophy yeah. but uh, one interesting thing which i noticed was uh, uh, armor upgrades uh, not armor upgrades armor and weapon pickups and ammo pickups are now automated for yeah. the most part yeah. in in the new order you have to look at it and press square or whatever your, your keyboard binding was for it over here if you walk over something it automatically gets picked up but there are some cases where if there if there are weapons or armor behind a staircase or on on top of a shelf you need to actually look at it and press the specific button for it yep. so it's like a combination of both it's not automatic i was hoping for something where uh, as long as it's in your radius like a radius around you it'll just get auto picked up but this is still a step in the right direction yep so yeah so i was watching rishi play and i totally agree with him when he says that uh, you know you don't want to play be playing this in front of people who are uh, maybe not not so keen on looking at graphic violence yeah. because there are a lot of scenes which i mean it, it actually reminded me of doom from last year Uh, yeah. where so many scenes are basically like you know so graphic where you're gutting people and all that yeah so yeah. Uh, it actually even plays up to what the developers have talked about prior where there's a lot you can do with an axe and a nazi there's a lot you can do with a hatchet and a nazi and that actually uh, applies to gameplay as well 
So, uh, and it's, it's so when you get close up to an enemy, your your default uh, melee attack involves you using an axe to the head or an axe to the legs, and then the head. And super graphic, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got some nice choice screenshots, as I call it, of yeah. melee attacks. But uh, but yeah, Pranay bringing up Doom. So some unfortunate news about Doom for India. Uh, uh, we mentioned Doom is coming to Switch. It still is coming to Switch on November 17th worldwide. But uh, the Indian physical copy uh, has, is not going to happen anymore. Uh, so if you'd want Doom and you'd want it physical because I think it's going to be 22 or more GB with the multiplayer, you're going to need to import. The listing for Doom on Switch on Games Shop has disappeared. So that indicates it's probably not showing up yeah, over so, here. So, so just to clarify, uh, uh, Games Shop is a retailer owned by... Bethesda distributor E-Express and uh, they've removed any sign, any trace of Doom coming to Switch. Skyrim With, is still there Skyrim though. Skyrim is still set there. Set for November 17th yeah. at 3 So this basically confirms that uh, we're probably not going to see the game hit Switch as we earlier reported. So that's something to keep note in case you're looking at it. So yeah, that. Uh, anyway, uh, that aside, uh, w- w- what's an interesting to note is the developers of machine from Machine Games uh, were actually at Starbreeze prior. Uh, Starbreeze is the studio that made Chronicles of Riddick, and uh, so what they did is they basically the founders of Machine of Machine Games were essentially founders of Starbreeze who splintered off and uh, you know decided to create Machine Games and uh, Bethesda picked them up and so far we've seen some re- we've seen three very solid Wolfenstein games and the fun thing is. And what's interesting is that even though the tone is super dire and uh, uh, in, in Wolfenstein 2, they have said it's not the last game in the series. We're probably going to see a third game. Now, how that pans out will be interesting to see. How that works out is interesting to see. But uh, so far as it stands, uh, I mean, I, I think this is going to be one of the bigger surprises of the year. It's one of the best, so far one of the better games I've played this year. So definitely worth checking out when that hits on October 27th. Alright, I think we're done breaking embargoes for this year. Um, One second, you might want to remove that break embargo part. Oh, okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. No sales? No. Moving on. So, there's some Xbox compatibility news uh, that we've got. So, which of you is most excited about this? Mike, definitely, because it's all the games on his iPad. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Oddworld, Strangers, Odyssey. No, I haven't <laughs> I bought that yet. But uh, as originally uh, announced at E3, uh, the Xbox One is going to get backward compatibility for games from the original Xbox. So if that's not confusing enough, you can basically play the first Xbox games on the Xbox One now. Yeah, which... Beginning today with a few select titles. And uh, these include uh, purchases you had made digitally and if you own the original discs in some cases it's going to be restricted to uh, just the discs so the games that will be available for sale will cost ten dollars and uh, yeah in some cases they're just going to be disc only uh, as we've seen on the xbox 360 front as well but this is interesting because now you have uh, three generations of xbox one games playable on a single console through discs and your previous purchases carry this is uh a much better implementation than uh, what Sony has tried and mostly failed to do with this PS2 and PS4 uh, project where uh, they implement trophies. Obviously, the Xbox original games don't have achievements, but uh, you still need to rebuy them. And uh, in a lot of cases, they don't really, they aren't really emulated well. Over here, uh, Microsoft is promising 1080p support, widescreen support also for some games. 
and uh, yeah it's going to be interesting seeing how this is some select choices select games from this obviously would be ninja gaiden black which is a- an xbox original exclusive the dark souls of action games crimson skies <laughs> and then you have some weird choices like star wars knights of the old republic why hey, how is that a weird choice it's a good game it's a good game but like it runs and looks better on your phone right now so now now once once the magic pixie dust has been sprinkled it will look good i i don't so this is the thing like when uh, when sony did ps2 on ps4 and they had the rockstar games show up like i obviously went and bought gta vice city because own it on everything but it looks really bad like the old version when it's played on a new screen it's not uh, uh it's not even close to how it looks on ipads and android phones right now with the uh, like the superior horsepower in fact you have games like bully which are now definitive on ios and android versus pc and consoles so playing some of these games is going to be like really weird because okay it'll give you that nostalgia for 5 minutes but then you realize you need to play a better version of them and there are better versions available for less now obviously if you have a disc it's great because microsoft allows that you just put your disc in it'll download and you can play it's free so i'm still not like uh Knights of the Old Republic is a really weird choice then you have Psychonauts which is interesting Prince of Persia uh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time to clarify okay and uh, a lot of people were excited for Crimson Skies and Fusion Frenzy which are now also here so yeah very good to see this uh hopefully we start seeing some Sega games because uh, the original Xbox was basically a Sega console for most people Dreamcast too yeah yeah so uh and i wonder if we'll ever get the original Halo Um I mean I don't know it's kind of redundant at this stage I know but we already got Master Chief collection but they still made the old games backward compatible yeah, from 360 we, so here you'd get to try three different versions of Halo on one console I don't know I don't even see the benefit there because uh, the 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 Xbox 360 version of Halo is the anniversary edition yeah. and that basically has code from the first game you could toggle a button to see the difference between the original Xbox version oh, I didn't and know this, yeah you so. could so I don't know it just seems redundant at a, after a point even though i mean i am a halo fan i still think it's redundant but what's also interesting is microsoft have said that certain xbox 360 games will be getting uh, enhancements as well uh, uh these include the original assassin's creed the original halo sorry the original assassin's creed and uh, halo 3 not the original halo uh that's something that will probably hit alongside scorpio uh and uh, yeah it, it just seems to be uh, they seem to be revving up you know in preparation for uh, the xbox one x launch Uh, yesterday they announced that uh, Gears of War 4 will get a uh, uh, 4K HDR and yeah up to 60 frames per second not not a you know not the consistent 60 frames per second stable 60 frames per second but up to 60 frames per second which probably leads us to believe that the console isn't as powerful as they want us to think it is hmm so yeah yeah okay then so let's get some depressing news out of the way um last week i think a little while after we recorded and released uh, this uh, previous episode of this podcast ea announced a pretty uh, i mean another depressing bit of news which is that it shut down another one of its studios so rishi you want to talk about that yeah so ea shut down visceral games uh, visceral was the developer of dead space they developed uh, battlefield hardline uh a lot of the, the guys who found it uh, who found visceral m- went on to uh, uh found sledgehammer games and they're working on call of duty world war 2 they worked on call of duty modern warfare 3 call of duty advanced warfare so yeah so basically they shut down visceral now this is important for a host of reasons one uh visceral was working on a star wars uh game it wasn't just any star wars game it was a star wars game helmed by the f- by the former creative director on the uncharted series 
Amy Hennig. Uh, she basically wrote the script of the first three Uncharted games. She basically provided creative direction on Uncharted 4. Uh, she moved on to, to join EA. So what a lot of people were expecting from the earlier footage uh, from uh, from in, from her interviews was that we'd see an Uncharted version of, of, of Star Wars, which would be amazing, which would be great, which would be, you know, something a lot of fans want to see. And this hurts even more because uh, prior to EA getting the rights for Star Wars, uh, Disney, sorry, not Disney, LucasArts rather, uh, before being bought by Disney, had its own internal project called, called Star Wars 1313. And whatever leaked footage we've seen of that game looked impeccable. It looked like something a lot of people would definitely play. Uh, well, as and it just seems that the single that Star Wars seems to have a single player course because uh, uh, depending who you who you believe in, what you hear, uh, you'll hear you'll hear separate accounts of this. According to uh, according to insiders like Jason Schreier from Kotaku, uh, the game was in a bad place. It wasn't shaping up the way it should have been. And that's why EA took the call to shut it down. If you, But then the co-writer on the game, Todd Frost, uh, the co-writer of the games have gone, come to Twitter and said that the game was in a good place and it was just working out well. And at the same time, EA's own statement is dubious enough because it basically said, oh, we've done consumer feedback and consumer research. This is not something fans would want. Now, that's hilarious because EA's idea of consumer research and consumer feedback has essentially killed franchises in the past. That's the reason we don't see any Command and Conquer games right now. That's the reason we don't see. That's the reason why Mass Effect had to be open world because of feedback and user research, and that's the reason Mass Effect Andromeda more or less died. Uh, you know, despite all said and done, no. I mean, I, I really like the game, but then I, I, you can see that's not perfect. There's some key design de- decisions which you know got hampered because they had to go open world it's the reason why games like dragon age inquisition have multiplayer the whole idea is they to me it just seems that ea uses research as an excuse to suck more money out of consumers and it seems to be working uh yesterday uh news broke that uh like mass effect andromeda's gameplay designer who's now gone indie manveer here had uh had uh said in a podcast with uh vice's waypoint that uh, on Mass Effect 3, people had spent uh, $15,000 on microtransactions in multiplayer. Uh, the, and that the, the, the philosophy at EA seems to be, uh, you know, focused around, hey, how can we keep people coming back more than just the 60 to 100 hours of gameplay time in a game? I mean, that's kind of overreaching, in my opinion. If you have somebody playing a game for 60 hours, that's good enough. They've already paid you for it. I mean, I understand if you want to make it a little easier, but uh, it, it's, it's reached a point where it's mercenary. It's reached a point where um, uh, Hare also did say that there's a good chance games like uh, Anthem might probably end up being gutted because of microtransactions. And that the focus there is uh, EA d- uh, doesn't care for what players want. They just want to care what players will pay for. And... Um, I mean, the, it's it's basically to me it just seems that the impact and the success of mobile games uh, has normalized microtransactions to the degree where uh, entire game design and entire uh, game development is focused on these. And you have games with hundred plus million dollars of development budgets because of the quote unquote uh, potential due to microtransactions, and all this then leads to a product that well, you know, tends to be designed by committee and doesn't seem as awesome or good as it could be. So yeah, it's quite depressing in the sense that uh, we're probably going to see a lot we're probably going to see a lot of this going forward. Uh I I think that Forza 7 Shadow of War were essentially and uh uh Forza 7 Shadow of War 
are probably just the tip of the iceberg. We're probably going to see a lot more uh, microtransactions in what seem to be single-player games going forward. So yeah, depressing dark times ahead. And what's even and what's even worse is games like NBA 2K18, which we panned for microtransactions, which we panned for being unfair to players. Well, was the highest selling sports game on NPD's history since no, NPD's it, uh, it had the highest in-game spend and overall spend, which basically means uh, when you combine the microtransactions and you combine sales physically and digitally, it has had the most spending in a month of any sports game since this console generation. Yeah, which, which is, is huge. huge because uh, it's been criticized quite heavily and rightfully so for uh, how it's handled microtransactions with virtual currency in the my career mode. So this sets quite the precedent for uh, future NBA titles and uh, like WWE because this year WWE has uh, uh, loot crates or loot boxes but so far they can't be bought other than through in-game currency which you cannot spend real money on. Who's to say next year it won't just change to how NBA has it? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it all of this just points to the fact that uh, legislation can't come soon, soon, can't come soon enough. And... Uh, like obviously it, it's made some difference to NBA because this is the first year where it's not the highest rated sports game and uh, they've had to mention that. So when they say it, we've, we are the highest rated sports game, there's not an asterisk which says from this year to this year. 2017 is not included so it's made some difference. But uh, when the sales reflect these things, I don't think they'll care to be honest. Yeah and what's even more amusing is that who knows, we might just see EA decide to, uh, you know... Uh, ruin the journey mode the single player journey mode because hey you know if if you can add microtransactions to it and impede progress or add microtransactions to uh fast forward progress who knows what's going to happen next so it just sets very dangerous precedent other so, than that yeah. uh, the nintendo ubisoft collaboration mario and rabbit's kingdom battle uh was at number five for the month in the and then oh just to clarify npd is for the north american or united states market only so uh yeah, basically what we're discussing is just for that country right now. Uh, Destiny 2, on the other hand, is now the best-selling game of 2017 in the US. And it's the third best across the last 12 months. Obviously, the best-selling game will be Call of Duty Infinite Warfare over there. But uh, yeah, Activision seems to have done really well with Destiny 2's launch on consoles. And it's going to be launching on PC today slash tomorrow. Yeah, it's already available for a lot of people. Yeah, so that's definitely interesting. And... Uh, but what's happened in the UK is uh, slightly more surprising given uh, uh, Gran Turismo Sports overall reception. Yeah, so uh, apparently it sold uh, three times more than Forza 7. Yeah, it sold three times more than Forza 7 and um, the UK is actually one of Xbox's strong markets in Europe. Yeah. Probably the only one I'd say. Yeah, and uh, I mean, early responses from retailers here seem, seem to indicate something similar where the game has sold steadily. Uh, they're not saying it's sold out because uh, India isn't a market where people play a lot of sim racing games. We prefer the arcade-style racing games like Need for Speed. But uh, sales have been steady, according to whoever, whichever retailers I've spoken to. They're close to selling out. They're not there yet. Uh, also helps that uh, India gets the day one edition of the game, which is Game Plus DLC, rather than just uh, the standard edition. So that, that has apparently helped quite a bit. So yeah, it seems to be strong sales all around. Yeah, in fact, uh, Gran Turismo Sport debuted at number one for last week in the UK. And while the UK isn't as big a market as the US, this is a pretty big deal because uh, for one, Forza 7 has reviewed much better for the most part when yeah. you look at critical reception on Metacritic and stuff like that. Uh, GT Sport has been getting quite panned for its online-only 
majority of the functionality uh prane really liked it so did i uh but yeah like i'm i'm a little shocked seeing it selling so well it's outsold even the previous gta uh, sorry gt games uh it even did better than gran turismo which launched on ps1 in 98 so and gran turismo 6 which was on ps3 which are for the most part like gt is the best selling racing game series right or is it nfs uh i think on playstation is the best selling oh yeah of course but, so uh i mean long story short yeah it's, it seems to have done well but what does this mean this basically means that uh because there's a user base you can expect sony to uh spend more on the game as a platform so you can expect a lot uh, a slew of events a lot of seasons a lot of content around that and you can expect that uh, a lot of updates too which means that if your internet connection isn't the greatest uh, be prepared but uh, yeah it seems to be going in that direction yeah but at this point i mean you know we keep complaining about this always online thing but if you are a console gamer just i mean invest in a good internet connection and if you don't have it then yeah i mean just it just restricts the number of titles uh, you can play i'd say the problem with gt sports online functionality thing is not that it's online only i mean everyone's playing destiny 2 and even there's literally nothing you can do in that game offline as far as i know but uh, gt sport is on sony servers those don't have the best track record yeah mm. so i i don't think see i think it's it's our responsibility to bring up that always online is a problem as often and as as uh, vocal as possible simply because it is a problem especially when it's someone like sony doing it yeah uh, we've but seen then, it in the know. past with drive club and that mm. was horrific yeah we've seen it in the past with psn it was horrific so i think it's our it, it, people should know what they're getting into and honestly there are other options if you don't have the best internet connection you can check out project cars if you don't have the best internet connection you can probably play pick up a version of drive club which is super cheap right now you don't and you don't have to go online on either game you know i would suggest looking at those options it's not like we, we it's not what like about that assetto corsa that's also a decent game now uh but i'd still say the uh, problem is these games are more hardcore and like yeah. at least project cars don't even consider project cars to unless you have a racing wheel like it does not just play good and after playing grand turismo with a controller project cars feels like garbage mm. so i don't know i disagree there i dis- after checking out the controls on project cars and project cars too i kind of disagree on that i think my point is there are options you're not restricted as much as you are on pc where yeah, you yeah but then i mean to be Xbox fair i mean sony has been doing some pretty good work with single player games overall if you look at the like yeah landscape. lost legacy was amazing lost yeah. legacy is like one of the best games of this year yeah. and uh, i i am still trying to wrap my head around the fact that they managed to get near automata as a console exclusive yeah but uh, yeah and they, what about like the games that came uh, like earlier in the year was horizon zero dawn yeah that was epic but then yeah. but then like i said right uh, all of the, all this comes in a very uh, trying testing experimentative year in gaming so how how what the long term ramifications be remain unseen the way i see it as long as games reach a certain amount of profitability everything's fine uh if they don't then you can expect things to get more intrusive and it, and that's one end of the spectrum and the other end is uh as a certain youtuber called jim sterling would put it give publishers an inch they take the entire universe and that seems to be ea's mentality oh never so, heard of this guy oh you should sure? really <laughs> epic so yeah <laughs> nah, just kidding anyway so moving on to um mobile games now mike you want to talk about yeah, the impending so animal crossing announcement Nintendo. before that what is animal crossing for those who don't know like me So uh Animal Crossing is this relaxing game by Nintendo uh it involves you taking over a town as the mayor 
taking care of villagers and this isn't like farm will you actually have a ton of stuff to do you wake up it uh, a lot of interesting things uh, take place in the game for one it plays with your real life clock so if you boot up the game in the night there might be in game stores that are closed because they're only open until 6 or 8 pm so as the mayor you have to make your villagers happy develop the town to some extent add stuff explore fish go to islands capture bugs donate stuff to the museum and uh, basically they've they have a ton of villagers and the order in which they appear is all randomized so you probably will event i don't think there's a possibility of getting through all of them together and uh, yeah it's very relaxing once you get into the rhythm because you have to start uh, fishing you have to start catching bugs selling them so you earn stuff then you can develop your house make your villagers happy it's it's a very interesting game and uh, the mechanics in the game are perfectly suited to mobile but not the good kind of mobile so i can easily see them just they probably won't do this but i can easily see them just do a direct port and add monetization where you can buy in game currency because uh, when i first started playing animal crossing getting bells which is the in game currency to grow your house and to basically develop stuff in the town it felt a little grindy until you find your rhythm so even if they do a direct port i can see people uh, i can see people wanting to spend to speed up the process uh that was animal crossing new leaf which is one of the best selling games on the 3DS and one of nintendo's best selling games and an ip which got them on the map for a lot of people like i know some of my friends have put in thousands of hours into this game on the 3DS uh they did another game which was a spin off called happy home designer which basically has uh, you designing houses for the same villagers and depending on their needs so this is another possibility for what can come to mobile now while they've announced uh, the animal crossing game would be out in the fiscal year 2017 they've been pretty silent about it uh they finally announced an animal crossing mobile direct now this will be using the nintendo direct format which uh, has a 15 to 20 minute or in this case 15 minute uh, video broadcasted which will have information about only this title they've specified multiple times that uh, they will not be talking about animal crossing on any other nintendo platform or any of their other mobile or switch titles so this 15 minute broadcast will focus on it'll basically tell us what animal crossing mobile is probably when it's releasing hopefully uh, if it is free to play they'll probably have uh, sign ups now or pre registrations for it on iOS android uh, it's a little surprising that they did this because i honestly thought they'd show up at the apple event to talk about this given how successful showing of super mario run was last year for both apple and nintendo in terms of visibility online Yeah uh I do agree I to me I I was surprised that I was missing from uh, Apple's event but I think a lot of it probably had to do with Apple wanting to show off ARKit instead and games related to ARKit and I mean who's to say this might not have this may have ARKit functionality uh, no, or not I, man no, come Animal on crossing is not something that could have that Yeah I think they showed off that uh, Sky by that game company Yeah so I think that's what like Uh, took the space of this game. Not really. They, they, I mean, that was, that was mainly for Apple TV. They want to show it. Well, hey, the Apple TV. Remember, we said the Apple TV could be like a games console. Here's something that. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Apple would have considered this game, and this probably would did not because make their shortlist. Because Animal Crossing is, uh, it's a million plus seller on 3DS just in the US. Like as far as I know, a few weeks after release, like it's done brilliantly. It it still charts. uh in japan in the us i think i can't remember the exact sales numbers but it's not pokemon sales numbers but it's very close to that and uh i don't like no one complains about it like it's one of those universally loved games so yeah but the way i see it 
uh, I mean, then probably even more reason for Nintendo to say strike out on its own, right? I mean, it's not exactly high tier as, let's say, Zelda or Mario. It's one of the lower tier ones. It's not even as high tier as Pokemon for that matter. So, yeah, do it on your own. But uh, the fact that they're having a Nintendo Direct now leads me to believe we might see it come out uh, either in November or, or early December, much like Mario. I, I'm not sure whether it'll actually come out this year given uh, how crowded Nintendo's thing is. Uh, it does make sense to get it out. They said it's going to come out in the fiscal year and it does make sense to get it out uh, by end Jan latest because uh, you kind of need to show good results for this in your financials. Hopefully it actually ends up being as successful as Fire Emblem Heroes and not what happened with Super Mario Run. So Yeah, I, I, I think they'd want to hit the Christmas window simply because, I mean, look what you have in October, right? You have Super Mario Odyssey. You have nothing for November. You have nothing. Uh, November is basically third-party titles. Like exactly. Skyrim, I, Doom, L.A. Noir. Yeah. Uh, December opens up with a big release for many people, but uh, it's not going to be a title that uh, sells as well as some of the other releases yeah. on Switch. Like Xenoblade is a big deal for many, but it's not Zelda or Mario. Exactly. So my point is you have that window of opportunity. Besides, I mean, the fact that you have a... I mean, the as much as, I, as, much as people like to say how demo- democratic and fair app stores are... The very fact that you have a Nintendo title coming up, guess what's going to take preference? Yeah. Yeah, so I think so, they can easily pull through if they decide to do a Christmas series. Um, yeah, I mean, my question is, is this going to release in India? Because Fire Emblem Heroes is still so not We won't know either. yet, right? If it, uh, it literally all depends on what they want to do because uh, Nintendo's online functionality app still hasn't shown up over here. Neither has the parental controls app. Now, I can understand if they want to hide the online functionality because they don't have the Switch here and being Nintendo, they probably are worried that people over here will download the app and wonder where they can go for support or some nonsense reason. But like locking the parental controls app is absolute bullshit. Like it actually has console functionality, which you need the app for. And if people buy the console over here through gray or they even bring it from abroad and come here, uh, they're missing out on some functionality like tracking or parental controls, which is important for Nintendo consoles. I I agree to a point, but then at the end of it, I mean, you have your options. It's called, uh, you know, using an APK or using a US account. Yeah, but it's, it still complicates getting updates and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it depends on, I guess it depends on the monetization they use over here because yeah, exactly. Mitomo has in-app purchases and it's available here. Super Mario Run obviously has one in-app purchase and it did release here day one as far as I remember. Yes. So, it, it just depends on what they want to do. Maybe Fire Emblem's too small of an IP and given the gacha nature and given a lot of stuff going on with it, they still haven't released it worldwide. But Animal Crossing, I feel, is a much wider appeal for an ip than fire emblem like anyone who's owned a 3ds knows what animal crossing is not everyone knows what fire emblem is i mean it's not pokemon but i think it i think it's possible that it releases here but it all depends on the monetization so the way you describe the game at least i feel a little more optimistic about uh, like it being a more appealing to people of all ages and from all places Fire Emblem, I'd still say, is a bit niche that way. It definitely is niche. I mean, like, Nintendo sent their own uh, published Fire Emblem Warriors. Like, Rishi didn't even mention it. He probably forgot about it, like most people will do. Because you're launching Fire Emblem Warriors, which is, one, a spin-off to a niche franchise, and two, you're launching it one week before Mario Odyssey on the Switch. Like, good luck. It's called YOLO. Yeah, literally. (laughs) So, yeah, basically, uh, looking forward to what they show off in the Direct. Uh, It'll only be 15 minutes long, but, uh, yeah... 
Uh, personally, I'm hoping it's a straight up twenty dollar port of Animal Crossing New Leaf. That's all. <laughs> it's probably not going to be that. Yeah, I agree, but uh, yeah, probably not. I think they're going to meddle a lot with the in-game economy to make sure people come back. I would expect a certain amount of timers, similar to how you have them in Clash of Clans and how you have them in other free-to-play titles. And more importantly, keep in mind that this is developer Dena, Dena, the or DNA, or however you want to pronounce it, uh, who are notorious for you know uh, using free-to-play to the max. So. It'll be fun to see how it happens. All right, then moving on to Mike's uh, weird games segment of the podcast, which is not at all weird these days. Uh, I think we should keep this a bit short today uh, yeah. because we already like are running a bit long. So Wolfenstein Two and Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah, we already spoke about aside, that. Aside, yeah, yeah. Uh, she... What what games have you been playing? Uh well, I've just been playing Assassin's Creed Origins and Wolfenstein Two: New Colossus. Okay, and then we already talked about it first. So okay. I guess Mike's weird game corner got. Uh, up the schedule because of importance. If you want more games in this segment of the podcast, please buy the $5 in-app purchase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you been playing, Pranay? Uh, so, I've been playing this game called Age of Empires 2, uh, which I mentioned on the previous podcast. What year is it, Dot Jif? Uh, it's, you know, only about... Wait, Pranay played a PC game. Yeah. Wait, Pranay is playing games. Hate. <laughs> Gosh, Jasper is not some hipster indie title yeah. on, the, on iOS, don't hate. Yeah, so Age of Empires Definitive Edition got delayed. Um, we discussed that on the previous episode of this podcast. And I got really annoyed and I downloaded Age of Empires 2 HD Edition, which is out in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, downloaded that and started playing the Genghis Khan campaign. Finished only that campaign, which uh, definitely is uh, my favorite campaign in all the Age of Empires that I've played so far. I think that's one, two, three. And let's also throw in Age of Mythology in there just just for fun. So Genghis Khan campaign is uh, great for like it's amazing storytelling. I would still say that. Um, I mean, it's not exactly historically accurate, but it gets most of the major bits right. So if you don't know why Genghis Khan is of any importance in the history of the world, then this campaign will serve as a great introduction. And it takes you all the way from like Genghis Khan uniting all the tribes in Mongolia all the way to um, like beyond his death when his troops go and conquer Europe. So... I still would say that it's a lot of fun. I played it with a couple of friends who are also equally passionate about Age of Empires and just sitting there and strategizing was insane. Uh, Only thing that has not aged very well in Age of Empires is the AI. So there are a couple of tricks uh, in Age of Empires 2, which is basically you build a wall maze. Um, Just Google it or or go to YouTube. build a wall. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, it's not just building a wall. You build a wall maze. So uh, go to YouTube and just search wall maze Age of, Age of Empires 2 and they'll show you the trick. Wait, it's, is, it, is, it a, is it a wall maze by maze made of corn or wall maze like a labyrinth? I'm uh, like sure a labyrinth. it's corn. Yeah. yeah. It's corn. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be corn. This is in best Minecraft where you build ever. corn out of stones or something. Best yeah. campaign ever. Like a wall made of popcorn. Uh, okay. So anyway, so uh, basically have a single entry point and a single exit point and make it like as... Uh, twisty as possible so the AI instead of breaking down the wall and like chasing you down will actually go inside the maze and try to find the way out so that slows it down considerably and we abuse the hell out of that trick and uh, use it to win some of the really complicated battles Um, especially in mission 5 of this campaign you'll see that there's this thing called uh, it's basically three enemies and you so the Polish uh, the Bohemians and I think the Germans if I'm not mistaken Uh, I forgot the name of the third one. But anyway, the point is that there's this uh, green color enemy, which is King Wenceslas's army, which is basically 79 units. Um, 
of which i think 75 units are all like going to attack you no maybe 70 units are going to attack you at the same time so their entire army consists of like some 30 horses uh, paladins and lots of siege weapons and uh, including some trebuchets will come and attack uh, like you with uh, you know and and leave nothing behind so to defeat them we abused the hell out of that wall maze trick and it was a lot of fun but overall yeah, i did enjoy this campaign once again i think this is the third time i'm playing it um especially because i mean it's every scenario is completely different from the previous one like uh, the mission to win is there's a capture the flag scenario there's one one scenario in which you have to first defend the hell out of your existence when the enemies are throwing like um highly advanced units at you and you're still stuck in the feudal age um and then you finally like sit and gather resources and then you wait 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 and then the enemy already built a wonder and you go and attack them within a certain time frame so yeah it got a little intense uh, into china is that mission one which uh, where like three enemies are hiding behind the great wall of china and you don't have siege weapons to break it down and one enemy is across the river who's building a wonder to defeat you so that mission is my all time favorite uh, in this campaign so overall yeah i mean this is probably the best uh, that age of empires ever reached and i'm really looking forward to the definitive edition of this game and uh, age of empires 1 and 3 as well apart from age of empires 4 which is scheduled to release sometime next year or early 2019 yeah and if you're still with us uh, this is just to clarify this is not the history channel podcast this is transition yeah why well, that was pretty much pop culture no <laughs> actually pop culture of the 1800s yeah yeah okay then <laughs> mike just finish the show quickly okay so uh, been playing a lot more stardew valley uh, discovered that uh, you'd rather make mayonnaise out of your eggs instead of selling your eggs directly to get more money so yeah basically there's these random machines which you can construct which i really didn't pay attention to in the first year of playing the game and in game year So apparently every time your chickens lay eggs just don't sell them just put them into the mayonnaise maker and you get like three times the return that's uh, that's the podcast title right there <laughs> <laughs> every time the chicken lays eggs don't sell them no <laughs> so but yeah in, enjoying it quite a bit there's a lot more depth than i realized initially and uh, it basically is still i feel like it's borrowed mechanics from harvest moon stardew valley and even terraria to some extent really well mm. and added its own charm and it just blows my mind that one person has made this like i mean the same thing happened when i played undertale but this is just some next level stuff and uh, it's probably going to be really cheap in the steam sale which comes up or pick it up right now or pick it up then it's on literally every platform now uh, yeah, other but, than that but buy it on the switch yeah obviously buy everything on the switch uh <laughs> Other than that, been playing uh, Yomawari Midnight Shadows, which is uh, the second game in this franchise, which NIS Nipponichi Software made. It's a horror, survival horror indie budget-like game, but uh, it's pretty scary. Like last year's game, I'd say was a little better, although uh, it had some really nonsense save system in it. This year's game is on PS4 as well, in addition to Steam and Vita, and uh, yeah, it ups everything, including jump scares and all. And yeah, Halloween's coming up, so these games will probably be discounted on the Steam sale since I know no one listening has a Vita. So yeah, basically been playing those two games. Uh, in addition to Wolf, and uh, hopefully I'll be talking about Assassin's Creed. Come on, week. man, Rishi's listening. Yeah, I have a Vita. Vita means life. Oh, oh. wait, does he? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, basically that. Yeah. Okay. So what does Yomowari mean? Do you have any idea? Uh, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, listeners, find out and write to us at podcast at gadgets three sixty dot com with your questions, comments, and feedback. 
welcome back after that really short break now we are in the pop culture segment of transition and we will be talking about this show called stranger things which went crazy popular last year now the second season of stranger things is about to be released so we are recording this on october 24th and the second season of stranger things will be out on october 27th so we have two people on this podcast who have received early access to stranger things and they will be talking about it in a spoiler free manner so if you're worried about knowing uh, more about the plot then you want to no worry we've got you covered there will be no spoilers in this episode so first up we have our pop culture nerd that's akhil arora hey everyone and we also have rodin serejo who's our review deputy reviews editor but he cares about pop culture just as much hello everyone and i'm your host pranay parab so akhil can you please tell me why i should care about stranger things and you know <laughs> why why is it worth watching because i have not seen the first season either right so for those who never known about stranger thing which is I might be a bit surprising because considering how popular it went last year on the internet and all of a sudden after release which is surprising to me as well because I got early access to it first season as well and I saw the show before it became widely popular and the first season did not blow me in the same manner as people sort of widely received it after release so I would say the first season was good it had a lot of it, it hooked people through the nostalgia aspect yeah. to the 80s aspect of the clothes and the bicycles and everything about the decades which people who have either lived during those times could connect to or even th- those who haven't lived during that time connect to because of the music or the culture or things that have carried over through movies and te- other television shows so it basically was in a way remix culture right it was it was uh doing collecting everything and doing that in a very fun manner and exciting and thriller mm-hmm. manner which we've seen through uh the last three decades so which is why the show connected with people resonated with people and obviously the characters because the strange thing is is mostly revolving around a bunch of uh young younger characters who were in were in the 7th grade last year and this season they're in the 8th grade because the story moves on a year so uh it was because the characters each were quite unique people could connect with them in a manner which sort of you know like basically childhood nostalgia again So which mm. that's that's why it worked. Okay, so uh, what I know about Stranger Things, one of the very few things that I do know is that the creators don't want it to be like a uh, like a TV show with season one, season two, season three. They're looking at it like an extended movie. I mean, probably the world's longest movie at this point. Um, so uh, since you guys have already seen, you know, bits of season two and maybe uh, are in a better position to comment, does it feel like that? Does it feel to you like it's it's a continuation of a of a movie that was you know whose first part uh, released last year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I. think uh the naming aside uh they've definitely achieved that whole extended movie why i mean it does feel like a long one long movie because i think in the way they have structured each episode there's at, at least for me there, there was never like a dull moment or a moment where i felt like you know this is just a filler just to fill the nine episodes or whatever it was never like that like at the end of each episode i couldn't wait to click the next one to see what happens next So I think that is again a testament on how well it is directed and how well it is paced. And uh, yeah, like you can actually this is like one of the few shows you can actually binge watch without um you know, like you can you will you will want to binge watch this show. Yes. Yeah, is so what I can say about it. I mean, that's probably why you know this is I mean it's I'm glad that this has released on Netflix and not on any other platform yeah. because Netflix Oh like, yeah, one week <laughs> wait would be very painful. Yeah, and when you go from one episode to the next, they give you what 10 seconds. Yeah. 5 5 seconds now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it used to be 15 but now it's down to 5. Like they basically don't want you to decide 
to not opt out like you have no time to make a decision yeah so that that also works for the creators yeah. right so i suppose you know in, in a way i'm just really glad that netflix has this show and, and not any other platform and it's just not the gap thing right now but netflix has like multiple tweaks to this which you, we don't see as reviewers is uh, they let you skip the intro yeah. you can even skip the like the title screen you can basically you can even even skip re- recap like i've been watching star trek on netflix and they let you skip the recap bit so like that if someone is watching star trek once it's all aired because yeah. star trek is not a netflix original show they will see you can basically see it like back to back without having to wait for it so is that a setting that you can put on for for a particular show no it's show? on by default it just like comes like a uh-huh. box in the corner you can select it or just like watch the entire thing oh, okay so yeah what i would really like is like a like a per show based uh, setting for example if i'm watching stranger right. things i'll just say just play this back to back and you know don't don't make me wait at all and for some other shows for example if i really like the title song in in some shows hmm. so then i would say okay no for this show just play the title song but don't play the ending credits just skip to I the next one the settings say it's probably just easier to let it leave to the user and let them decide yeah. on that moment like sometimes what happened is like i remember doing this with house of cards hmm. like i would uh, watch the you know the credit sequence which like really sets up the mood for the show yeah. if some if, you know what i mean right yeah. and so i would do, do that for the, the first two three episodes and then because there are 13 episodes i'm like i can't do this for all the episodes if i'm watching on, on the same weekend so i i would start skipping the credit sequence in the middle episodes and then towards the finale i would start watching it again mm. you know just to like get the mood again yeah so yeah there's this uh, definitely like this is on my wish list because clicking that thing 13 times skip intro skip intro <laughs> skip intro that that's also quite annoying because i look yeah. at netflix as a platform where you know i'm on my couch and i'm watching the something mm. and i really don't want to press the remote or whatever just lie there and you know yeah, probably yeah thankfully uh, i one the good 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 news is that stranger things title sequence is one of the, like the best things about the show mm. i mean it actually won an emmy just for that mm. so it's like it's worth watching it even if it's like nine times in a row ah okay cool then yeah. all right so uh, roiden i have you guys seen the entire season the second one yeah so like yeah. unlike marvel shows and other netflix series we got like the en- access to the entire season yeah so we've seen till the end even though we can't talk about it yeah cool so basically this show does not suffer from the legion syndrome where the first three episodes were great and we we were really happy about no, it but no no actually, it's, probably, it's probably the opposite of anything it probably yeah. actually gets yeah. better as you go into the second half of the season yeah. yeah and that again you know brings us back to the whole movie structure yeah of, of Yeah. Uh, stranger things as well right all right so i i think i should leave it up to you guys um any other things you want to talk about uh, because you know uh, i think without touching spoilers if there's any other thing right. you want to so highlight right so i'll set the premise yeah. without touching on spoilers so this is set in 1984 which is a year after the events of the first season so in the meantime um people are sort of recuperating after the events of the first season where will was eventually rescued from the upside down um and then rescued from the demogorgon as the monster was nicknamed in the first season and sort of they moved on into the next year everything's good and well and but there's sort of something what people are talking about calling it the anniversary effect where uh, doctors and every, every all the scientists in hawkins believe that closer to the anniversary of the first year of its of will's abduction he will start to feel more of the effects of like the resu- residual effects of upside down on himself which yeah. is what we see in the in the beginning of the sh- season is that he's going through like he's sort of, he's sort of having nightmarish visions of of the upside down and he sort of shares a sort of a connection with the monster which is that of letting him see what is happening in the alternate world so that's where it begins for will and obviously the other characters around him sort of are worried for him as well including obviously including his mother uh, chief jim hopper and his yeah. friends who sort of all have been treating him differently since he's come back you know which is normal when someone sort of goes mm. through that sort of trauma and tragedy 
people sort of start to care for them more. Like for one, he's not allowed to use his bicycle anymore because that's how he got abduct- abducted. Yeah. So his, that means his his mom Joyce like dri- drives him everywhere. He's sort of annoyed by that because he's like he wants the same freedom as his friends. And he's not getting that. And his, everyone at school looks at, looks at him differently now, and he's obviously not okay with that because he doesn't want to be the guy that was abducted. Like what did they call him? He had a term for him, right? Oh, zombie boy. Zombie boy, yeah. So they call him the zombie boy. Obviously, like no one's gonna be happy with that. Like you can't be pleased about that. And he finds like pictures of that in his lockers, and he's obviously annoyed with that. So this is like a very different Will, and there's also a season where we get to see more of Will. Yeah, yeah, because in the last, season, last season he was, he was mostly was just abducted, and you don't really see him for the most of it. It's yeah. mostly his friends trying to find him. But here, I think they have really balanced the characters. Like the characters which were pushed in the background in the first season are really brought in the front and they are given their own story arcs and they're really fleshed out those right. characters very well, I think, in this season. And I think everyone gets their chance, has their chance mm. to sort of shine and, you know, do their part. It's not like, I, I don't think anyone is ignored in this season, which yeah, is something I, I really like. There's I a good balance I almost across. forgotten that, you know, like in Steve in the first season actually got a good arc. Like exactly. When, when this season began, I was like, why are Steve and Nancy, which is like the... Elder ones, like sort of elder in the at least the schools yeah. system, not elder in the whole spectrum. Like, why are they going through the same thing that they were going through in the first season? Why are they still like arguing? Like, why hasn't Nancy moved on? And like, I never sort of liked Steve in that phase, but like, yeah. the things he gets to do later in the season, correct, like makes him much more a fleshed out character, as you said, right? Like, yeah. you can actually relate with him. You actually want to like, you like sort of almost cheer for him. Yeah, exactly. So th- yeah, that was good. Uh, and also, apart from that, I think uh, I think we can talk about Eleven because they do show her yeah, in the trailer. Yeah, they've shown her in the trailers now. So, like, uh, that was a mystery earlier on, but clearly it's not now. But, yeah, I mean, there was no way she was not returning for <laughs> season two because she she is one of the main characters uh, yeah, in the show. Yeah, given how, how she was a big hit with everyone. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting what they've done with her character as well. Like, they've uh, explored more of her past. And she also, in the middle of the season, she comes across a br- bunch of new characters right. who were not sees, uh, seen at all uh, in the first season. So it's kind of, I mean, I don't really, I'm not really, uh, I don't really agree as to, I'm not really happy with what they've done in the middle of that part uh, where she goes uh, around and when she meets these new characters. I feel that that was kind of a filler sort of a thing hmm. to you know i mean to keep her occupied while the main events were actually happening in hawking also i feel like that was like sort of you know so the, the that's the hero's journey kind of thing right like yeah. they go off and they learn more about themselves so they can come back and help like the people fair close enough. to them yeah fair enough yeah. but i mean some of the new characters that they at least show unless they are actually returning for season three i really don't didn't see the point of them apart from her having to do something yeah, like, while the main like plot one, was going one on. One great example would be like Billy, right? Uh, Max's exactly. elder brother. Like, yeah. even though he gets so much like uh, focus in the first two episodes, I felt yeah. like the, the character didn't re- doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So like, so yeah. So for people who like don't haven't followed the news yet, uh, there are two additions to the high school life well, yeah. or the school life because one's in middle school, which is in the Mike and Will's and everyone's age group yeah. called Max. It's a new actress. And the other is Billy, which is I just mentioned, which is in the Nancy age group. Yeah. 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 So, so. Uh, what? That's a, that was one example. Even the Max, I felt like they couldn't really give like her proper rock. Like, so like, as you just said, yeah. like Will and Mike and everyone, like even though Mike's sort of in the backseat, but Will, Lucas and Dustin get their own proper arcs, right? Yeah. Like uh, Dustin's exploring something we can't talk about, yeah. but that's really crucial to the yeah. second half of the season. Uh, Lucas gets a new arc with Max. And uh, Will gets has his own arc with the connection of the upside down. Yeah. But like Max herself doesn't really get 
that much of a chance to like shine herself in the front right yeah i mean in this season at least apart from being a love interest for one of the characters i don't think she was like you said there she wasn't yeah. her purpose as as such wasn't really yeah she was uh, it was more of like i feel like she was more introduced to sort of like create some sort of like jealousy and like a tinge of like friction between the group right because that's what she does correct. like the yeah. character sort of introduces like what would happen if he added a new like character Member to, to the av club yeah, yeah, like yeah. would they still work or would they start fighting each other which they do yeah. like, for between in the season they do sort of bicker which is and they sort of i feel like that friendship evolves because of that eventually yeah true what you, what was your favorite part of the season uh my favorite part of the without season without having to go into something that you can't talk about uh i think my favorite part would have to be uh i i i really can't pinpoint any one right. single thing it's really hard it's just i think that's because it overall it, it was just so good overall i can't really hmm. like figure but yeah i think dustin's uh storyline in this season hmm. uh was definitely my favorite because he's even funnier in season 2 okay. and just the things he does and the things he has to do that's quite in interesting though because i feel like dustin's storyline for me seemed quite unconvincing in the beginning cuz huh. like his actions like considering what's happened with these four boys or at least three of them considering one was sort of missing for the entire period yeah but in the first season i did not expect dustin to sort of behave in the way he was behaving with the thing that he sort of we can't, like we can't mention right now yeah and i sort of expected like that to like go in a different way i felt like d- does he is he really that gullible is he really can't he see like shouldn't he be more questioning of what's in front of him hmm. than just like takes it at face value and sort of like you know connect with it true that is that what you're saying also makes sense uh but i mean it's just it's just kind of nice to it was just funny to see right. him uh uh you know do the things that he does in this season <laughs> it was it was just that's uh, dustin yeah yeah it was really good and even i i uh, apart from him i also liked uh will's character i mean he, he first of all in this season he was really uh, he got to really show his mm. acting chops i think he did a pretty good job uh across yeah cuz he has to co- portray like really complex emotions like cuz he's yeah. he has to portray almost like someone's like sort of almost controlling him at some point yeah. someone's talking him to to him from the upside down and like the even though he's like a child actor he really like convinces you that he is he sort of possessed almost yeah so i think i think these two characters were really interesting to see this season i mean i also awesome. like what i for was a good highlight for me was probably 11's like work here or actually not 11's work but millie bobby brown's work was the actress yeah and because in the first season i felt like she was mostly going to sort of like one thing cuz she was like still sort of like coming on her own okay yeah. and she always had like these four at least three boys ar- around her the the young ones yeah. but this time she's like a lot more on, on her own right cuz like the yeah. entire storyline the reason she's like been not been shown much in trailers except the last one is because she's spending much more time on her own having her own storyline and then the new characters you talked about yeah which is why like that's the when a, the test of a, an ac- actor is like actually comes how can they portray the complexities and how convincing they are on their own and like i felt like maybe but brown was really convincing in those parts like she could really stand out on her own like actually be convincing and yeah that and also i really like what they did with her uh, bitch in transformation at the <laughs> end which was i think really really cool yeah. addition to her yeah it really brings out like a sort of a different facet to it like uh, yeah. again it connects back into like 80s things right yeah, which is exactly. like everyone loves about these things yeah. like and and I, and i like how they've 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 set it exactly around the time when the season is actually going to release like it's yeah. set around halloween it's releasing around which halloween which is like the second episode which is literally like 
it uses so many things from ghostbusters like there's a soundtrack yeah. even the, the there's soundtrack the costumes yeah. uh there's like so uh, there's even lines like remember uh the one part was it dustin's mom i think it was dustin's mom right who starts to say uh, she, she's telling who, him to pose for a photograph yeah she says who uh, are you going to call, and, gonna call? Yeah. and dustin's just like mom no <laughs> yeah 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 so they, they, there's a lot of easter eggs for yeah. all these uh, classic 80s shows like in the first episode i remember seeing like uh, when they pan like through a car in the background there's a cinema or theater screen Huh. and it says the terminator, terminator. Yeah. yeah so like these are sort of little things even like the political background right so like if you can see uh yard sign saying yes. reagan and bush yes yes so like yes, yeah obviously yes, I, mean, yes. i guess this is like the i mean this you have to do this as a production designer yeah. research like what this time is set in and sort of portray that so yeah the, i mean uh, once again just like season 1 i think the attention to detail and uh, the references and everything mm. are again spot on like i don't think there were any issues over there it's like very very well done which is like necessary if you're going to immerse yeah, us yeah, in yeah. that world and i would say like for those who haven't got netflix yet or are waiting or thinking or whether to get in i think this is the show to sort of sign up for netflix for i yeah, would say i mean yeah cuz that strange thing is like is an ex- great example of the netflix binge model right yeah. cuz as we just talked about before that it it gives you what binge watching is supposed to be like unlike some other shows the prime example i can think of is master of none which really works on like like it would easily work if you showed it like one week after the other week yeah but like stranger things is meant to be watched like back to back back to back yeah and it, it works perfectly with that hmm any weak points with the show like anything you guys did not like because so far all i'm hearing is praise which makes me a little uncomfortable so <laughs> the, the fact thing thing is uh season is really good like that's why like i mean in my review like which we i posted on the website uh last night uh the first r is like one of the best hours of tv i've seen this year i'm not i'm not like exaggerating that and there are weak points we discussed like the 11 story yeah. is not probably not handled that well with the new characters uh the dustin story did not seem very convincing for me in, in parts uh there are there are problems with i guess in certain the ways the characters are handled in the beginning yeah uh but overall it just it's very exciting like the way they have paced it as you said before the way they have edited it the way they have thought of every arc back to back and interlinking with each other is mostly works yeah and they've done a lot of uh, you know these transitions where one scene ends and it begins into something else yeah like the similar thing that we saw with game of thrones where they would mm. uh focus like the camera would go really close into a particular scene or right. an object and it would transition into something else and it would be another scene mm. somewhere else but it would look similar yeah like i don't know what you call that but you know what i am yeah yeah, yeah. it's a nice a, uh, meta reference to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, that happening in every scene i think almost every scene which is I, nice i mean it's 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 not bad it's not annoying or and the, i feel like the great thing that strange things probably does is like it works for like, everyone like it could it would work for people who are craving like nostalgia fixes it would work for people who like who want like something like horror because it's it does yeah. have elements of that it would work for people who want like thrilling action because it I feel like this season is so much more action packed than the first one. Yeah. Because true. like this from the get go from the first episode itself like within I think 10 episodes we get something in the upside down, right? Yeah. Like Will has a first nightmare and from that moment on I was hooked. I was like, okay, we get like the first pilot or not the pilot actually, the first episode cuz the yeah. pilot uh, is like it has everything. It introduces yeah. new characters. We get Max and Billy's introduction yeah. in a stylish fashion. Billy has this new like insane car which he drives in which is like super loud yeah and then we get like a uh, bills connection to the upside down we get to see the shadow monster which people have probably seen in trailers uh then we get to see how will and everyone else is interacting with him at school we get to see joyce's new boyfriend 
yeah. Bob, the nerdy guy who works at Radio Shack, which he has like a really interesting like arc later on. Like yeah. I don't know, I, I, the new it makes sense why he was working at Radio Shack once you like get to know the other Correct. future episodes. And then Jim Hopper has his own thing, which we only get to find out in episode two and three, so we won't mention that because yeah. you know, again Netflix has not said told us not to. And so like basically the first episode gives like, gives like a bit of everything, and which is why like it, I feel like it will work for anyone who is coming into this show. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I, even even if you've not, I mean, obviously it would make sense for you to see the first season. Yeah. But even if you've not seen the first season, I think it's sort of uh, you know you can sort of see season two also as a yeah. Stand- I think you can see season two if someone has like talked to you about season one for ten minutes. Yeah, like even if you have a brief idea of what season one is about, I think you can just go into season two and you would sort of be up to speed after like yeah. After the first, which episode, is like, sorry. yeah, because I probably they won that, right? So probably even though the show because became so popular last year, there yeah. there could still be people who haven't bothered to go and see it, yeah, but might see it right to, like this weekend as part of like a weekend like Netflix party or something. Yeah, yeah. So right then, that's uh, basically both our reviewers giving a ringing endorsement for Stranger Things season two. I mean, you guys have made me want to watch it, so I guess it is uh, really good. And at some point, I will definitely, <laughs> you know, watch this show, and I promise. <laughs> It may take a year. It may take Have two years. Have you finished years. Twin Peaks? Um, no, not Twin Peaks. But I finished Breaking Bad. Okay. Not that bad. So. I mean, yeah. No, Breaking Bad is actually a better show than Twin Peaks. So yeah. Yeah. Your your priorities are right. Yeah. Right then. So we'll catch you with another episode of Transition next week. And as always, the music for the show comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album P P P P P P is where the tracks are from. And if you've been listening to this show and if you like it, please do rate us on iTunes. Your ratings do help us a lot. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360. Thank you so much for listening.